Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Next week is Banned Books Week in libraries all over the world. And the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund gets very involved in Banned Books Week. It starts this coming Sunday, and it runs until September 30th. It's always the last week in September. So to talk about Banned Books Week and the role of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund in today's comic book marketplace, I am happy to welcome Christina Merkler. The organization hasn't had an active case in so long that people kind of forget who we are or what we do, or they really, you know, we're going to try to be better about communicating what we actually do because I I just think that um, the 24 hours news cycle has changed everyone's focus and interest and we just have to be better about making sure that we're a part of that you know whole conversation. Christina Merkler is the co-founder of Discount Comic Book Services and InStockTrades.com. She and uh, Cameron Merkler have been running these successful businesses. You know about In Stock Trades, longtime sponsor here at Word Balloon. I am happy to have Christina on in this capacity as Comic Book Legal Defense Fund president. We get into what the Legal Defense Fund does, how they started. You might see their booths at uh, conventions. I urge you to support them, buy a t-shirt, buy some incredible prints or graphic novels that creators have given to them for that sale at that convention because then the money goes to the fund and I I think it's terrific it's a great nonprofit that provides a very valuable resource for creators and store owners that find themselves victims of you know anti-free speech actions by the communities that try to shut the stores down that try to disgrace and uh, jail the creators for what they consider smutty material That always gets my freedom of speech hackles up. And as a reporter and a believer of the freedom of the press, I really appreciate what the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund does within its charter and its actions. Christina Merkler, president of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support via Patreon. If you like Word Balloon, if you like what I try to do here each month, I try to provide some great entertainment that, frankly, you can't find anywhere else. In-depth conversations with the creatives, and in this case, uh, the movers and shakers of the comic book market that help us enjoy our favorite pastime. I hope it adds to your fun uh, enjoying comic books, reading them, collecting them, and if you do enjoy it, can you spare a dollar a month to support Word Balloon? Do you think what I do here is worthwhile? If you do, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or click on the ad at wordballoon.com. I thank you very much for your continued support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by Aftershock Comics, shaking things up at your local comic shop right now. Great hit series going on, like Baby Teeth with Donny Cates and Gary Brown, Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Tour, Hot Lunch Special from Elliot Rael and Jorge Fornes, and A Walk Through Hell by Garth Ennis and Goran Suzuka. You'll be able to find full story descriptions, preview pages, and the diamond codes on these books to order them through your local comic shop at AfterShotComics.com. All right, let's get into our conversation now with Christina Merkler about the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund on Word Balloon. Christina Merkler, welcome to Word Balloon. Now, you know, uh, longtime Word Balloon listeners know that you have been a very big part of Word Balloon for for most of the years. And I appreciate that, but it is wonderful to have you 
also in this uh, interview capacity in your new job as president of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. So welcome. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. I, I am so excited for what you're doing. And we were just talking off the air. You were with the CBLDF for three years as a member and now now president. So tell me, uh, let's go back three years. How did you first get involved with the Comic Book okay. Defense Fund? Um, well, I have a I have a close friend who is a VP at Diamond, and uh, we've been friends for years, even uh, before he uh, moved from a retailer position to Diamond. And he came to me and said, "Look, you know, they're really looking for somebody on the retail side, and we feel that because you're, you know, one of the largest retailers, um, that it would be great to have your voice on the board, just your perspective in general of the industry." And um, I, I was thrilled to be you know, a part of it, and, and, I, and still am. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hesitant because I didn't know enough about it, um, and I felt that I had to kind of uh, give myself a little education before I actually started on the board, um, because most retailers don't understand what the CBLDF, CBLDF is all about, um, or what they do or how it relates to them in their day-to-day, you know, business. So um, I, I did, uh, you know, I went onto the site and there's, it's, there's so much information there. It's almost overwhelming. And um, I went to a, a, a meeting and it pretty easily was, they welcomed me with open arms and, and um, you know, that I guess that's, that's where it started. Okay. Uh, was in San Diego three years ago. Yeah. Wow. Now, first of all, because um, I'm, I'm sure my listeners as well don't know a lot about uh, the CPLDF, so I really, yeah, we, this is a good opportunity for an education for everybody. <laughs> um, how, um, well, you give give us your ten cent version of you know basically what the CBLDF does. Do they have to first? Do retailers have to pay into a fund to be represented by them? No. Um, so, I mean, and I'm terrible about dates. I believe it was 1983, could have been 1986. Um, you know, we did have a retailer who was in trouble and uh, Dennis Kitchen, along with many others, got together and said, hey, we've got to take care of this person. Um, and so the CBLDF was born basically out of a need within the community to protect the uh the retailers' right to free speech. So that is the paramount, um, you know, goal for the fund is sure. to is the protection of the freedom of speech, the First Amendment. Yeah. So um, you do not have to be a member to uh, receive aid, and it is a, it's a very um, we get calls all the time, mainly any more about uh, things like banned books, uh, schools taking books out of libraries uh, for, you know, whatever reason, a, a parent, um, you know, challenging the book. And so we do a lot of that. We also do a lot of outreach through libraries mm-hmm. um, now. Um, but it's it's basically the it, the fund was created in order for... I, the, it, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Friendly Frank 
um, you know, basically someone went in and he was arrested for selling something that was adult material. Yes. And, and, and yeah, he, it was it's a community standards thing. It was an it was an indie book. Uh, I don't remember the contents of the or even the specific book. But basically, yeah, it was uh, this, you know, local. I town. believe it was Omaha, Omaha Cat. That makes uh, sense. Of course it was. Yes. And which that's is a- why Dennis became involved yeah that makes sense yes so so yeah it's it really as you say it's a basic first amendment rights issue uh that happens with stores and can also potentially happen with with comic book creators and libraries as well and it's it's this tug of war of that whole what you know what is acceptable from a national standpoint and then of course there is that somewhat flexibility in the constitution where states and and local communities can set their own standards but again it rubs up against the first amendment and that's exactly. and and as we all know well you know certainly better as a retailer yourself that for a lot of these stores the margin of you know getting hit with that kind of financial burden of a of having to prove yourself in a legal case i mean that can wipe out a store i mean i know the, the yeah. yeah the profit margin is razor thin and we always talk about how you know to really help support a book in a store it's good to have a pull list and and you know really support and and you know order the store you know, order through the store and and stay committed to those orders when you want to buy a book and stuff and and then yeah then when they're just innocently buying something and in the case of friendly frank it wasn't like it was just sitting on the stands it was behind the it was behind the counter right they had to ask for it to get it i believe so and i the you know i I it's been a while, honestly, since I even looked at because I, that was sure. the first thing I read about, of course, when I did my research um, into the fund. But, you know, now it's reached a point where it, now that the comics that comics are so mainstream, mm-hmm. I think that that is something that people don't realize could make us you know, more susceptible to having something like that happen again. Absolutely. Um, because you're going to have people who aren't familiar with material um, that feel, oh, that's offensive to me, where, okay, it may be offensive to you, but, you know, everyone has a right to read, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, and we as retailers have to be, um, you know, cognizant of what's appropriate to sell. Uh, I mean, we did this with some some books where we knew they were definitely more mature audience or they might have had a cover that was a little more than what we'd like a 13 year old to see. So we just kept those behind the counter and we made sure that if people came in asking about things like those, uh, just in general, um, you know, or in some horror stuff was really, you know, it, 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 you've, I'm sure you've seen the crossed covers and things like sure. that. Absolutely. Um, where we put those behind the counter and if we had somebody who asked, we were more than happy to, to sell those to those people. So um, it's, it's a fine line, Um, you know, (laughs) with the political climate that we have now, it's, it's even more important because I feel that um, on both sides of, uh, of the aisle, um, we're having people who are, really pushing uh, and, and trying to restrict the First Amendment rights of both both sides. That is surprising to hear, and I'm sure listeners are surprised because you would think that that is more of, of a traditionally conservative 
point of view. So right. where, uh, do, do you have any, you know, examples of, of the left trying to uh, censor? Well, I just, it's not necessarily censor. I, or object. I, I can tell you that I'm not a fan of Twitter, but if you go <laughs> on Twitter, you have, <laughs> you have just as many people on the left, on the far left, by the way. I mean, and, and I'm talking extremes on both sides. I understand. Um, who say, no, that person isn't allowed to say that. And that's true. Uh, and they are. And they sh- everyone, whether you're on the left or the right, should realize that there are consequences to using your free sp- freedom of speech. Sure. It is not, you know, an all-encompassing, um, I can say that this person murdered somebody if, I re- if they really have it um, or, you know, whatever. So um, I, I've just seen that more now, and it's because of the political climate that we have that people feel that they have to, to use their voice more, which I think is great. Um, and I, and I want people to be able to feel that they have a voice and they're able to use it and they're able to, you know, bring things with, you know, to, to the minds of people who aren't necessarily as knowledgeable about things. Um, you know, I can tell you as a, as a, I don't like to call myself any specific, um, you know, political. I, I don't really have a, a specific position, mm-hmm. um, but I can tell you that I believe in marriage equality. I believe in, you know, I believe that that every, you know, it's the the old adage, you know, of or old adage that everyone should treat everyone the way they want to be treated. It's just that simple to me. Absolutely, um, and. I just think that the world in general has gone so far away from that that I just, I don't even know what's up or down anymore. I understand, and and truly, I I uh, not to name drop, but I was just speaking to Howard Shaken about mm-hmm. uh, this same subject, and in, in a you know a different way from a creator standpoint. And yeah, no, it's the culture wars are fascinating, but also by the same token, they're also frustrating because right. yeah, I think I think people forget, you know, even. I, I don't know if the Comics Gate controversy has reached uh, the attention or, or that they have requested the attention of the CBLDF, you know, but I, I very just briefly, and it's a very simple thing, just as you just said, hey, you, you can dislike the books that are out there. Just don't be jerks about it and don't mm-hmm. be rude to the other people that have different opinions of yourself. And that's where their argument loses oxygen from my own estimation. Right. We, I, I can tell you that, that we have not been approached. Um, okay. And I'm aware of comics gate. I'm frustrated by the entire situation. Sure. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, when I, hold on, I'm, I'm sorry. Not at my all. My daughter trying to call me. All good, Christina. Don't um, <laughs> worry about it. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, since the stupid computer wouldn't let my Skype work. Um, <laughs> so th- this is, I, you know, I won't, I won't, I really can't speak to it because I have not done enough research on what's been happening. But what okay. I can say is in the 19, almost 20 years that I've been in the comics industry, people have always had different opinions. And I've always felt that this, I mean, this industry is supposed to be fun. 
right? Yes. I mean, it's supposed to be entertaining and <laughs> um, and it, it all inclusive. Yes. And now it's just it's not what it was twenty years ago, and I don't expect it to be. I expect us to progress, but I feel like we've digressed instead. Um, and I feel that the the biggest problem that I have is that it's taking up the space that should be encouraging people to want to be involved in comics. And it's creating this animosity with everyone involved that would be better suited in a more positive, Hey, you do your thing. We do our thing. And, you know, (laughs) and it's, and it's really difficult that, um, to, to, to hear it, to see it unfold. It's, it's really surprising. Um, and I know that we're dealing with adult people, but I think that I, I truly believe that social media, media has created this, um, this anonymous way, and, and not so anonymous with some people, right? of really just not being the positive force they can be. Uh, you know, for the industry. I couldn't agree so. more. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and um, really, we, we don't have to dwell on the comics gate thing. And I think everything you said, agree, you know, I, I completely agree with. And again, it's mm-hmm. like, fine, you don't like your com- you don't like these comics, comics X, Y and Z. Fine, then go read A, B and C. And by the way, why don't you create D? But again, don't Hi. be a j- just don't be a jerk about the X, Y, and Z books that you don't like or those creators, and it's it's mean. And and you're right, comics comics have always been for everybody, and I think they still are. I just think, as you say, social media has amplified a very fringe group uh, mm-hmm. to to uh, you know kind of give their opinions. And again, unfortunately, it's it's they're clouded by other opinions of just how people are and how the, the way they think and the way they choose to live their lives. And it's just, that's again, it, it seems, and that's why I asked about, you know, the CBLDF, if they've reached that, because it is kind of coming from the same place as these censors that either want to shut down a store or a right. creator. Has the CBLDF ever had to deal with those situations that I've heard of recently where a cr- creator will be coming from, let's say Canada, and they've got books that have nudity, and they try to cross the border, and all of a sudden at the Border Patrol, somebody's flipping through a book, and it's like, hey, this is pornography. You can't bring this in here. I mean, and um, maybe I, I'm mischaracterizing it, but, you know, something like you're that. You're not. Actually, there was an um, – I believe he was an American retailer who was in Canada. His name was Ryan Matheson, and we had we gave to his um, – we provided the legal aid for him. Uh, because he was stopped in Canada for that, and I believe it was, it was manga. I cannot, yeah. I do not recall which manga it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I believe the fund, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, spent seventy five thousand dollars on his uh, legal aid, and uh, from what I recall, he was acquitted. Um, but yes, that has happened. Wow. Um, I mean, and it's crazy to think, uh, and that is something that you have to, that obviously as a, just as a person in general, there are countries that don't have the same, uh, views on your ability, your right to read, uh, as others. So yikes. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, now, uh, you know, am I right? Is uh, banned books week coming up? 
it's I believe it's this week. Oh, it is um, this I've week. Been, <laughs> I've been so dang busy that you'd laugh. But um, I was like, yes, I believe it's this week. Um, yeah. So there are several uh, libraries, organizations all over the United States who are celebrating Banned Books Week. Um, and it's uh, it's it's quite actually uh, it, it's the positive, I feel, every year uh, in this in this week. Um, for basically, you know, I mean, it's specific to books that have been frequently challenged or even banned. Um, but people will actually, uh, there are libraries and organizations that run these events where people literally sit around reading banned books um, or just making them available to people uh, to read. So it, it's all about that specific right to read. So, Can you cite any comic books? That fall under that, you well, know, kind of? Well, I mean, drama by uh, Raina Telgemeier is frequently targeted because there's a gay character in it. Okay. Um, which, by the way, uh, my daughter, who's 13, has read every Raina Telgemeier book she can get a hold of. Cool. And uh, read drama the moment it came out. I was thrilled. I read it as <laughs> soon as she finished it. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's things as simple as that, just because there's a gay character in it. Um, you know, a parent has a has a problem with it, and and those are the things that we experience more often. Uh, Fun home is another one. This one summer, um, yep. You know, even League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is another. Um, What's the objection in that book? To be tar- well, I think there. Well, I believe the the latter or the the more recent ones are definitely. Um, have a lot more nudity and sex and violence and oh, things okay. like that in it. Oh, okay. And, and it, yeah, it's, that's true. I mean, it's simple as that. It, that's what's crazy is is that's what it's it's come to now is um, that people are. It's it's not just real life. Like this one summer is literally essentially practically autobiographical. Yes. Um, and people have a problem with it, which is just, to me, it's just unfathomable. I don't understand why. And that's, that's just my own personal. I don't understand I you. why you wouldn't allow your children to be exposed to as much as they possibly could be um, within your own, within their own friend groups. And I, I, the fact that somebody would think that a gay character in a book is something that would somehow sully your child's childhood is absolutely ridiculous to me. I, I like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around people who think that way. Um, but they can think that way. It's just that I don't think that they have the right to tell my child that they can't read it, you know, in a school library. Understood. So, yeah. No, yeah it- that, that's the that's the big. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so, like you said, so during Banned Books Week, uh, libraries are, are making these books available. They're having discussions about these books, I would imagine. Uh, you know, I assume so. They have, I mean, they, we sponsor like Banned Books Week, of course, the Kids Write to Read Project. You know, they create tools and, and they perform activities that just basically advance the freedom to read. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I mean, there are there are so many librarians who are so involved in 
and not just fan books, but just in general, the p- children's right to read comics in general and graphic yep. novels. Um, there's a, I saw something I cannot, it was, it was on C-SPAN months ago and our executive director, Charles Brownstein was, um, on this panel, um, with another librarian. And she basically talked about, uh, children who have difficulty reading or, um, are dyslexic or, or whatever. And all these multiple issues that children may have in being able to read, um, and they found that children who read comics and graphic novels were able to learn much more easily because, of course, the art itself gives context to the, the, to the, the printed words. word. Yeah. Right. And no. so it actually helps them to learn those words uh, based on that context. So it, it, it's actually fundamentally educational. You know, they've always treated comics as if they're, they're just trash, and we all know who are fans of it, that it's, that they're not right. Absolutely. You so, know, um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, man, and we were just talking about him off the air, but my brother-in-law, my, my youngest nephew had some difficulty early on reading and I was giving him comics and I, and, and honestly, he, my brother-in-law came around, but he was kind of a jock and wanted his boys mm-hmm. to be jocks. And he's like, you know, um, this comic book thing, no offense, but they're sports kids. And I said, yeah, no offense, but that son of yours that's having trouble reading seems to be enjoying reading comic books, and reading comic books is reading. And he looked at me, and he goes, I'm really sorry, you're right. And he said, never mind. And he walked Mm -hmm. away and laughed, and I laughed, and it's like, okay. And sadly, he's become kind of my go-to story about, yeah, man, if you're having trouble, if your kid's having trouble reading, hey, I, you know, Sesame Street, when it first came out, had an initiative with the newspapers and they had special comic strips that were there to help people read. And my mother and my father saw this as something really important. I happened to be four at the time in 1969. And they're like, you're reading this. And I started to. And really for the first several years of grade school, I was always reading with classes ahead of me because my reading level was ahead and it was because of comics. And so, yeah, no, 100%. I can believe it. And and again, it's, it's great... Frank Miller, I think, is the first creator that really made a lot of us aware of the value of the librarians and how they truly were on our side, not only from a First oh, Amendment yeah. standpoint, but definitely a comic book standpoint of, no, this is good and this is teaching children to read. And when we have a literacy problem, comic books really need to be part of libraries and need to be part of your children's lives. So that's yeah. really great that they are our allies, and I'm glad that they're your allies and you guys are working with them as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, Cameron, my husband, is one of the smartest people I know, and he's read comics since he was six, year, six years old. There you go. And he was a valedictorian of his high school class. I mean, wow. the fact that they try, that people over decades have tried to say that comics make you dumb, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it, it's like any other form... You know, now they like to say, you know, TV makes you dumb or, you know, whatever, but which is another ridiculous thing because it's, it's whatever you choose to read or choose to watch, um, you know, that, that informs your, you know, decisions. You can, yeah, you can watch things that aren't necessarily very educational, but you can read and watch a lot of things that are. No question. Um, well, and just like television, yeah. both both mediums, comic books and TV, have evolved 
Because, again, I think a lot of those complaints from the community standard are, and no offense to these comic strips, but they're like, well, this isn't High and Lois. This isn't Peanuts. This right. isn't a lot of the basic safe family entertainment that comic strips necessarily provide. And you know, good Lord, every every year, and we roll our eyes at it every time we see that headline when a, a newspaper or magazine decides to do a feature about comics. Hey, guess what? Comics aren't for kids anymore. And, and of course, we know that, well, no, that's kind of been the case since the 60s even. So. Right. 27 years ago. When, okay. <laughs> we've been married 27 years. So 28 years ago when we started dating, I had never read a comic. And, um, you know, and Cameron pulled out a mystery quarterly. Oh, that's great. And I was going to ask. That's because, fantastic. <laughs> because I love true crime and I love just anything, you know, any sort of crime noir, anything. So he pulled it out and I read it. It's like, oh, I really like these. These are good. And, um, and then, Max, you know, and then he, Max Collins and Terry Beatty. We want to yeah. we want to acknowledge the creators of mystery, of course. Yes. Yeah. And so the, the, that was the first comic. Those were the first comics I ever read. That's and great. then I, I said to him, because he didn't have a whole lot. You know, he had this collection, I don't know, stored somewhere. <laughs> and I said, you know, do you have any, anything else? And he said, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you would like. <laughs> and I, I have this. It's a very odd thing, but I have this obsession with serial killers. And I okay. have since, like, <laughs> the late 80s. So I've read every book on every serial killer known to man, right? And I listened to lots of murder podcasts and things like that. But, sure. So he um, he handed me Preacher. He handed Terrific. me uh, the, the first trade of Preacher. And I went through that, like, within days. I went through the end. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not sure if the series had ended by then or it was near the end. Because um, I might have had to have read the last few issues in singles. Okay. <laughs> um, but then that's where my love of vertigo began because I was, that was definitely, um, that was my imprint was vertigo that's when, cool. we, when we were first. Yeah. I'm guessing and, you're, I'm guessing you're a scalped fan then Jason Aaron and RMB. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I do have a slightly embarrassing story about that because <laughs> I loved scalped. Okay. Sure. Love it. Love it. And Jason probably doesn't remember this, but like eight Maybe 10 years ago, I was at New York Comic Con, and I went up to him after a panel, and I just said, hey, I'm a mother of four, and my children were much younger, but Scalped is like the, one of the greatest comics I've ever read. <laughs> he just looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was like, oh, thanks, thanks, you know, and he just gave me kind of an odd look, because he probably didn't have a whole lot of mother of fours, you know, <laughs> who... And I said, uh, by the way, I do own a comic shop and I sell a ton of it, too. But, you know, just to let you know. Um, and now, you know, I know Jason cordially, um, you know, love Southern Bastards. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so but and that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, image to me is is my vertigo. So, um, you know, I, I, I made the, the switch, so to speak, when vertigo wasn't really putting out a whole lot of product and um, an image was definitely in the last, you know, 10 years, my place. It, it was from the beginning, honestly, but even image had its ups and downs, sure. um, you know, at some point. And I mean, I remember violent messiahs and yes. yeah, I mean, that's when I started reading image books. Um, there was an alien book that I really loved too. I can't remember what it was, but it, it never, it never finished, but it came out right around the same time. And I loved Sam and Twitch. Oh, yes, Sam me too. Sam and Twitch was like me the too. greatest. Yeah. 
So you know, I that's what I've always geared towards. Cameron has always been the uh, consummate DC fan. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and I've always you know liked all the indie stuff and um, you know this. How, how about Stray Bullets? I love Stray Bullets. Had a girl. I didn't. I yeah. What's funny is Stray Bullets. You know, was out of print when I had heard about it. Sure. Um, I was listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. Absolutely. And and Vince was talking about how great Stray Bullets was, and I was like, hey, Cameron. I, you know, I called him over. I said, Hey, do you have any Stray Bullets and in Instant Tracy? He's like, No, those have been out of print for like a million years. Like, you know, well, we can't get those. I said, Well, how the heck am I going to get those? Well, then of course they brought Uber Alice out. Like the following year image did. And so I read it cover to cover. It was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, no, I, I love stray bullets. That's How many other so in my wheelhouse. Let's take a break from the discussion and talk about today's sponsor aftershock comics. You can find their great books at aftershockcomics.com. Now I'm sure you've seen aftershock comics titles on the racks at your favorite comic book stores, a whole slew of fresh high concepts written and drawn by your favorite creators. I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Bas- Jimmy's Bastards from Garth Ennis and Russ Braun. Also, Pestilence from Frank Thierry and Oleg Akunev, where the 14th century Black Plague from history is actually revealed as the first recorded zombie outbreak. Or the early years of Vlad the Impaler in The Brothers Dracul from Colin Bunn and Mirko Kolak. These creators came to Aftershock with uh, the stories that they weren't able to tell at their previous publishers. No rules, just a new platform to tell fresh, great concepts. Check out other titles, too, like the Midwestern Noir Hot Lunch Special by Elliot Rael and Jorge Fornes. Also, the current conspiracy theories tie with Centuries Past from Beyonders by Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair. And a new series starring Leonardo da Vinci, his female apprentice Isabel, and their wooden robot. It's called Monstro Mechanica from Paul Aller and Chris Evenweiss. The collected trade of Monstro Mechanica is available this month. We'll be talking to more Aftershock creators, old friends like Paul Jenkins, and new friends as well like Adam Glass. Very excited to be talking about some of these people, hoping to get Kellen Bunn on to talk about uh, his Aftershock book. And uh, expect it in the weeks ahead here on Word Balloon in the mix with our other great conversations like today's conversation with Christina Merkler. But for Aftershock Comics, you'll be able to find full story descriptions, preview pages, and the diamond codes on these books to order them through your local comic shop at AftershockComics.com. All right, let's get back now to our conversation with Christina Merkler on Word Balloon. How many other of the creators that you've come to love have you had a chance to meet? Oh, well, I, Scotty Young is one of my favorites. <laughs> he is honestly so fun, so cool. He also has an incredible grasp of the business. I've, I've never met anyone. I have, I mean, I've met a lot of creators um, just cordially and not, you know, just ancillary, hi, nice to meet you type of thing. But um, a couple of years ago, it might have been, it wasn't this last year, but the year before, I get on... Uh, the airplane to come home and I was coming back to Fort Wayne and Cameron was going back to Memphis because we hadn't moved DCBS down to Memphis yet. And um, Scotty Young sits next to me (laughs) and I, and I had only, I hadn't met him yet, but I was like, wait, that looks, I swear that's Scotty Young. And so then I said to him, are are you Scotty Young? And he was like, yeah, (laughs) because you know, he's, 
going back to, you know, St. Louis or wherever he lived. Yeah, and, Central um, Illinois back then, but yeah, I know Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and um, so then... Uh, so then I said, well, I'm Christina from DCBS. He's like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and, you know, and so we chatted, you know, most of the, the plane ride home That's and I, it, it, he was a new friend. <laughs> um, and every time I see him, he gives me a big hug and, Aww. you know, and we were at C2E2 just hanging out with him and Jason Aaron and Jim Zub and, sure. um, and, and CB Sabolsky and, sure. oh, I shouldn't probably say, no, I'm just kidding. But, and Tom... <laughs> And Tom King, and we were all just Tom sitting, Russell. just chatting about all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm not trying to name drop. I'm just giving. Oh, I don't, the, I don't first wanna... of all, you're in the right place, and, and certainly all the <laughs> listeners understand. And I do it, Christina. I'm sure I'll be doing it just as much in this conversation as I do in every episode of Word Balloon. But yes, go on. Yeah. Well. Okay. So Tom <laughs> King is another one. He's great. He's I mean, yeah. He is such a nice guy, and oh, he's God, just yeah. he's I. I follow him on Twitter, um, and I, I love to see his pictures of his dog and talking about yes. his kids. And you know, he's just—he's such a grounded, uh, really genuine guy. Joshua Williamson is another one of my absolute favorites. Yep. Um, he's he's a great guy, and I love his stuff. I mean, I nail biter loved nail biter. Yeah. Um, so sad that it's done. Um, yeah. Birthright is really great too. Yes. My oldest. Uh, has literally read everything Josh has written, and she said, "I think he knows me." She says this to me all the time, "Mom, it's like he knows me. He knows what I want to read." <laughs> um, so yeah, Josh is really great. Um, luckily, you know, we've had the opportunity to meet a lot of really great creators, um, just by virtue of being in the business as long as we have, yeah. and by being, you know, a pretty large retailer. Uh, we do a lot of exclusives with image creators where we do an exclusive trade or hardcover. The hardcovers have really taken off. Um, so, you know, we, we've been lucky in that respect. No, that's excellent. And really, um, I, I really do appreciate retailers that understand the business as well as you guys do. And, you know, people like Pat Brower at Challengers and right. the, the oh yeah, comics guys in terms of just, you know, just being smart retailers. And really, I mean, because, again, as we said at the beginning – when when the worst unfortunately can happen to a comic store, just that that profit margin is so razor thin that you really do need to know, you know how to order the right amount and and be able to right. sell it and not be stuck with a bunk, bunch of back issues of you know a, a random book and everything and um and also again having great relations with the creators who understand the business and work directly with you guys. So no, that like you said, Scotty, I agree. And the half the time that he comes on word balloon, I want to hear his opinions on the business as much as promoting Deadpool or I hate fairyland or, you know, right. the new stuff too. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's always an education because I do know that a good portion of the word balloon audience too are aspiring creators. And um, again, Chaken, we're talking today. And he mm -hmm. said, it's a calling because it, you kind of, the people that make comics and I think sell comics, they really want to do it. They want to be in this business because it is such a tough business and it's a not, not a place to go if you want to make a million dollars. Oh, I mean, you absolutely. Know. Actually, I was just talking to a friend yesterday and he's on some – he's in Punta Cana on some HP thing. Uh, you know, it's free trip. And I said, you know what? I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> and I've said that a lot, you know. I said, because that's not, that's not what we do, right? I mean, right. it's a lot of hard work. And I, I, it's 
people who were involved, and that's where I go back to the comics gate stuff or even, you know, just freedom of speech in general. It is a difficult business to be in. So make your life easier by trying to be the most positive you can be and try to be the person who only makes it better and not worse. Um, and I know it's easy to say that, but, um, you know, I look every day and I go, wow, I work really, really hard to try to get my customers their shipments. I work really hard to try to make sure, um, you know, that everything's available and try to reach out to the most people that I can. And so don't begrudge me that you should be doing it too. If you love comics as much as we do. Yeah. I'm with you. As far as the CBLTF, what have you learned about what they do that you didn't know until you joined the organization? Uh, You know what? All of our meetings are so transparent. I don't know that there's really anything that I didn't know after the first few meetings. Um, You know, each meeting we, you know, go through the, just the budget, uh, what the plan is. Um, We have something very exciting that we're going to be doing next year. Um, We had to move it to next year just by virtue of lots of things changing within the board and things like that. But we're going to do a retailer works, uh, retailer rights workshop. Oh, great. Where... Uh, we're going to go to specific cities and um, basically show retailers, these are your rights. This is what you do if the police are called. Um, this is the number you need to call. And these are the these are the ways to, um, you know, involve your staff and make your staff aware of what your rights are uh, within, you know, the confines of the First Amendment, et cetera. Sure. So um, we're going to be doing that in some major cities, and I mean, it's it's going to be quite a few cities actually, um, where we hope to have retailers, the 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 owners and managers, you know, come to these workshops and and just and it's it's going to be a lot of interaction and questions being answered and asked and, and things like that. So we're pretty excited about that. That's an initiative that we're really. Uh, excited to start um, because we we want there are many new retailers sure. um, who who really don't know those types of things and they wouldn't probably have the first clue uh, who to reach out to you know in those types of instances so. no question no that's a great idea yeah. that's wonderful how often does the uh, CBLDF meet um, we meet quarterly uh, okay. we will be meeting again in New York. Um, we have a member of the board who is, uh, very generous and we're able to meet in person as many of us who are there, um, in New York at, at one of her offices. And then we meet in San Diego. Cool. Um, and then we usually have two phone in. Uh, okay. Meetings. Sure. Like a phone conference meeting. Yeah. Right. But, but if we have a, you know, something like a call to action or something where the board needs to discuss it. Um, you know, we did that actually just a couple of weeks after I became president where, um, you know, we had a call for help and we consulted the, our attorney and then we had a board meeting to determine, you know, what we were able to do. So, Do you, do you guys have attorneys that uh, you send out to these local stores or do you work with a local uh, legal person and you know how how does it work in terms of 
uh, getting getting a lawyer to represent you know a store in, in a censorship or whatever kind of situation. We do, I mean we have an attorney. We have a First Amendment attorney on retainer. Okay. And then I believe what happens is when you have a call for help and you say it is a First Amendment issue that is clearly something that our attorney feels we should be involved in. I believe at that point he reaches out and then is able to find the the attorney that would best suit their needs. Okay. Um, you know, in that respect. Um, from what I believe, that is how that works out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and what what changes as in your capacity as a president versus a member? What you know? What more do you have to do now as president as opposed to what you had to do before? Um, you know, there's not really a lot. I am more like I'm kept apprised of things just on a weekly basis. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. um, as far as hey, this came up. Like we just had there was a challenge in Maine on an LGBTQ book. Um, let's see, I have it in here. Um, the challenge book request was, uh, from the Rumford Public Library in Maine. Okay. And, um, then yesterday after a two hour meeting where local people were able to voice their thoughts, um, they said their board of trustees voted overwhelmingly to keep the books on the banned books display. So, I mean, that was a, it was great that yeah. we were able to keep those on there. So little things like that, um, we'll get an email and just say, hey, um, we got an email yesterday saying we're tweeting about this. And so I retweeted it. And then the board goes on and just tries to make it a little more, everyone more aware of, of just things like that on a day, uh, on a weekly basis, a day to day type of basis. Generally speaking, there's not a whole lot more that I have to do. You know, I have to kind of, essentially, you know, just oversee the meetings. Um, if there are any major outlays of funds, I believe I have to be a second signature, just basic stuff like that. Um, we do have an executive committee. If there are any HR issues that come about within the staff, you know, those are the things that I would have to take on and, and discuss with the executive committee. Within the like within the organization itself, or a, a, yes. as okay, I'm with you now. Yes. Okay, so okay. you know, I'm the president. Chris Powell's the vice president. Um, Dale Sandali is our secretary, and Ted Adams is our treasurer. So yeah. we make up the executive committee. That's um, cool. No, that's Ted's, a lot of great Ted's people. A new member. Yeah, great people. Um, and yeah, then, Ted from IDW. Ted Adams. Yes, yes, he is incredible. He. He's really uh, excited to be a part of the fund and to help us, you know, in any capacity that he can. Um, and he's he's really great because it's great that, you know, he joined just because you get a fresh perspective from somebody who hasn't been on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're discussing things, um, whether it's, you know, hey, should we should we put a new, another person on you know, staff to do this. Um, it's great to have people from all over. You know, we have Jenny Holm who does Baby Mouse, and we have. Um, uh, why is everyone escaping me at this moment? Um, <laughs> we have uh, people from all, all aspects of the industry. 
we have a, a president of Scholastic. We have, okay. um, you know, I mean, so we have people involved. We have a librarian um, so that we can we can get the perspectives from all of the different parts of the industry. And we have people like Paul Levitz on the board who has this vast knowledge, right, sure. of, of everything and <laughs> can look at it in such an analytical way, but can also say, well, this is what we've done previously. Not to say that's what we have to do, but, you know, he has that background sure. that helps those of us who haven't been there as long um, to really kind of put everything into perspective. So, Is, is Dennis still Kitchen, still part of the group? I believe he's on the advisory board. He will always be on the advisory board, but he's not on the the you know the the main board. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and again, Paul is a great guy to have on in that capacity that has that kind of you know knowledge that goes back all the way. And oh you yeah, know, so certainly. Yeah. And, no. and you know, we I would love to be able to get another creator on board too. Um, I'd love. To, to have somebody who has like a real voice within the community um, who, and because Neil of course is great. He's also on the advisory board. Neil but Adams. I, I do, sure. uh, Neil uh, Gaiman. Oh, excuse me. I, I yeah. figured Neil Adams, but okay, even better, Neil Gaiman. No offense, yeah. Neil Adams, but yeah. Yeah, I think. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, is no, Frank, Neil, is, is Miller, is Miller involved? You know, I don't, I think he may also be an advisory board member. Okay. Um, I've never met Frank. I've never met Neil actually either. But um, okay. but Neil has always been such a, a just an amazing supporter of the fund. Sure. Um, and he was on the board for for quite some time. Um, but I'd love to find you know, like a new voice, a new sure. voice that um, really has a positive outlook on the industry and a positive way to uh you know to to solve problems because that's really that's what you know no one gets paid on that board (laughs) so you know it's all volunteer which is great and it's fine but you know if i'm going to give my time i want to give it to something that's positive it's going to help progress the industry Absolutely. And have a positive influence. So yes, and and will and make a difference. And the right. fund absolutely does that with its works. And also, I want to, and I'm sure again, you'll be able to expand better. But uh, point out that when the CBLDF is at a convention, you really do. You, you should go to um, the booth because they sell uh, graphic novels that creators will put there, so that when you're buying from the CBLDF booth. The money is going to the fund. But also, I have in the past, uh, I have a great Paul Chadwick concrete print that was oh, made yeah. for the CBLDF. And I have a great Matt Wagner uh, Grendel print that was made for the CBLDF. And, you know, and certainly, too, there's the anthologies. Do they? Do you guys still do the anthologies where you'll put together a book and have short stories by various creators? We did. I believe this last year we did not. Um, okay. and we were just kind of rethinking how we're going to do that going forward. Um, it is a, it's a lot of work for, sure. uh, you know, for we have a very small staff. I mean, we have Charles is the executive director. Mm-hmm. Alex Cox is, um, I believe, his position's deputy director. Alex is, I mean, he's amazing. He just he's the one who takes care of the booth. And, you know, makes that run like a top at, at every convention. And every convention, he's gives a million percent. Um, and then we have Georgia in the office who, who 
does our administrative stuff and, 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 you know, takes care of the orders. You know, if you want to buy a pin or a T-shirt or something mm-hmm. like that, um, she takes care of that. And she also helps um, at the cons. And we, we're so thankful for everyone who volunteers their time and, you know, and, and gives us the time that is so precious to everybody, right, um, to be able to help us with our fundraising efforts. Um, I mean, we, we have a really great group, and hopefully more people will be aware of the good that we want to do and want to continue to do uh, so that everyone has, you know, what they need out of the, the medium in general. Agreed. I, uh, are you, is there anything coming up special at, I know, I, I think Baltimore is this weekend or next, I forget, but I know New York is on the heels of, of that as well. Is there anything special that you guys are doing at, at any of the shows coming up? You are asking the wrong person. <laughs> um, I can guarantee that Alex has an amazing booth <laughs> set up for in New York, and I know he just got back from SPX. So oh, um, SPX is is uh, a, really his baby. He sure. has an incredible relationship with um, SPX and the creators there, um, and. I, I have not heard the update on how all of that went. It just happened last weekend, but um, I know that New York is, I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not sure about Baltimore. I had planned okay. to go to Baltimore, but we have crazy things happening at the warehouse and I'm still hoping to make it for a couple of days. Um, okay. But New York will be our next big, uh, you know, bo- like big booth setup yeah. and things like that. I know that we normally go to Baltimore from what I recall um, but I know that they're back to back, you know, like weekend to weekend. Yes. So I don't know, I know. how that's going to work. Um, I know. And I, yeah. and I always feel bad because Baltimore is such a great show. I have the same. It is one uh, of my favorites. I yeah, love and it. I have the same scheduling conflicts and it's always like, oh, man, I'm going to miss Baltimore again. Damn. Yeah. There's too many shows. And, well, too, and, and then, of course, <laughs> the real world just intervenes as well as we both know. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, Jeez. you're going to laugh, but the only reason I want to get there is for several years, um, or I shouldn't say several, but a few years in a row, I went to Baltimore, and Bob Wayne, who was uh, the VP of sales for DC Comics, had taken me to dinner at Baltimore. <laughs> and he took me to dinner, and we always went to this Mexican restaurant, which is amazing, and I have had dinner with Mark Buckingham. On numerous occasions there, right? Oh, nice. And he even took me to dinner. I I was able to have dinner with Dave Gibbons, which was just amazing. Yeah, Dave's the man. So, yeah. So, but Mark is literally the sweetest person you would ever meet. He is (laughs) genuinely the, the, one of the nicest guys in comics, right? Yes. So (laughs) we went to, I went to London, I think it's three Octobers ago now, um, and Bob and Chris, my friend Chris Powell, who works for Diamond Comics, mm-hmm. also went to London. And um, we had dinner with Mark and his wife and his baby oh. while we were in London. And so now Bob had told me, hey, Bucky's going to be in. You know, he's going to be at Baltimore this year. <laughs> Can I save you a seat at dinner? I said, absolutely. Oh. So that's the only reason I would go this year. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't get to see Mark very often because he doesn't do a lot of shows, but he always says Baltimore. That's um, fantastic. 
Yes. So, you know, so I think I might, I might fly in for a couple of days, even though, you know, it's going to be hairy just so I can, you know, have dinner with Mark and Bob, of course, because Bob is great. So Bob is yeah. awesome. You know, Bob really, and there's another story that I think Bob is okay with, but when I first met Bob, he's like, you know, I'll never do your podcast. And I'm like, okay, I, I, nice to meet you. But then when, when the new 52 happened, he and John Cunningham, they wanted him out there you know, touting the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So they'd come on mm-hmm. all the time. And at one yeah. point at one convention, I go, Bob, do you realize you've been on my show more than Brian Bendis has this year? <laughs> exactly. And he left. And now <laughs> it, it it's it. Now he's totally like he's drank the word balloon Kool-Aid. And now he's happy yeah. to see him. At least he pretends to be. <laughs> and, and, and no, oh, no. I love Bob, Bob. And I'm Bob won't pretend. Yeah. I, I kind of feel Bob like is, that. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and we bond over like, classic rock and the bands that he's got to see live and things and uh no i love bob and and since he's left dc and and done his own thing i uh i I want him to be ready to kind of come out uh and do podcasts or whatever press he wants uh because again another industry guy that has such an amazing perspective oh my goodness uh, you know not only on the business in general but certainly the direct market as a retailer and and what he did at dc and yeah, man, no, I, you know, and again, I don't want any stories out of school. I really just want like, hey, why did the business go this way? What are, mm-hmm. what is your perspective? In being in radio, this is what I'd always like to talk with with program directors of the rock format and even the talk format. And no, it's like this is again, we live in interesting times, and it's a curse and a yeah. blessing. And but it's mm-hmm. you're only going to get that from the people who really have. The perspective of how, of how things worked and now how things are now and the changes that happen. And Bob is a classic example of that. He absolutely is. He's actually become a friend over the years. And he was my tour guide in London. And he's been there so many times, you know. Sure. He probably couldn't count. Um, and it was really one of the most amazing trips I've ever been on. And he hit all the right, you know, we went to Bath and... Cool. Um, the, and we went to the Roman baths and we went to, wow, I said, you know, to, to Stonehenge and we, it, we did all the things, but he took me to the British museum. Um, cause our friend Chris had gone up to do a doctor who thing up in cool. Cardiff or something. <laughs> sure. And, um, and I, I, I've never watched an episode of doctor who. So, okay. um, I was like, yeah, no, you go ahead. And his wife is a doctor <laughs> who fan too. So Bob and I went to the British museum and we saw this history of rock and roll that was there and it was amazing like it had hand, the handwritten lyrics from strawberry fields forever wow. and and john lennon's handwritten on his new york uh hotel um you know stationary imagine lyrics wow. and i mean it was to me it was the most it, it was the best part of the whole trip um, yeah. was going through it. And he was just like, I'm really glad that you really enjoyed that. <laughs> and, but he knew, um, you know, how much I loved it. Just, it was, it was just amazing. So it's funny when I first met Bob years ago, he intimidated the heck out of me. <laughs> I <sure>. was terrified <laughs> of him. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult being a woman in the industry anyway. I mean, you know, that could be a whole other podcast. We will but, do that um, if you'd like it so point, Christine. It'd be my pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, when, especially because, you know, when we first started, Cameron was the guy who knew everything. I okay. didn't know that much. I only knew what I had read. But I like to think I'm pretty intelligent. So, you know, I got the business pretty quickly and mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. Um, 
every time we would meet people, they would be like, oh, your husband's the owner. <laughs> no, we're both the owners. Um, oh, so but he's the he's the real fan, right? He's the reason. And I mean, you would get that. And initially it was. I mean, he was the believe- bigger fan, oh, okay. so to speak, yeah, yeah. right? Of course, of course. Um, but it doesn't make, you know, it, really it was, it's difficult to kind of push through those barriers and, and say, yeah, no, you know, I'm a legitimate person who likes comics and who runs a business and cares about it, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I told him eventually that I had been intimidated, that I was intimidated by him. And he really played that for a while. So, you know, he had a lot of fun with that. And and now he'll say, I recall when you were intimidated by me at one point. And I said, yeah, that's that's gone way. That's, that's, yeah, that's so far in the, in the past. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about that anymore. He's like, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Jesus, hilarious. Well, yeah. as you know, I've mostly dealt with you over the years, both – uh, right. friend, from a friend capacity and also a professional capacity, because sure. I usually see you more than I'd see Cam at, at shows and stuff. And no, I can I, I can speak firsthand. I, I am I am glad you are part of this community. I am so appreciative that you uh, support Word Balloon as you do with the business. And and seriously, of course. Well, yeah. really, almost almost at the beginning, Christine. I think two thousand six or seven is when you guys started your sponsorship with me, and that's just mm-hmm. insane. Isn't it crazy? I yes, know. <laughs> yes, and I you know, but I'm really glad. And and truly, it's just as I say to the the creators and uh, some of the the uh, smaller publishers that got started around the same time. It's been a pleasure watching your business evolve, uh, the success that you and Cameron have been able to create with Discount Comic Book Service and with In Stock Trades. And Thank you. Uh, hey, man. Well, no, and again, it's obviously because. You guys know what you're doing. You're smart at what you do, and you uh, you're an important part of the business. And I know a lot of creators that appreciate what you guys do, and also providing the service to those uh, areas where there isn't a local comic book shop. And it's it's great to have you know DCBS and and in stock trades to to help the customers out too. Yeah, I mean, we have you wouldn't believe the number of people who let us know. Hey, you know, I don't have a shop for you know, within two hours of where I live. Um, and when we initially started, we just started because we were like, Cameron wanted to get his comics at a, a better discount. <laughs> and he was like, I think I should be able to give people a better discount because, you know, he was looking on the internet and he, he could, everyone had tiered discounts and it was kind of convoluted. And he's like, I think I just want to start something where, you know, people can get just like a flat discount or, you know, pretty much a flat discount. And they know they know exactly what they're getting looking at it. And, um, you know, the first six months I didn't work for the business. I just said, I support you. Um, and, you know, now, <laughs> 19 years <laughs> later, you know, 19 years, my God, go on. 19 years later, my, you know, my life has been overtaken. <laughs> Um, to the point where I have reached a point in my life where I go, well, I got to step back a little here and, you know, someone else is going to have to, because we're both control freaks is the problem. Um, (laughs) you know, we, it's very difficult to, and and although we, my daughter and son-in-law run both our warehouses for us and we absolutely, you know, trust them implicitly, it's still, you know, we still are always going to have our fingers in it, no matter what. Um, 
but it, it's it's been a lot it's been a crazy journey uh and and i'm excited to see you know what's going to happen over the next several years i know that i've heard from uh some people that you know this is not a good year for many retailers and you know i hope that that it comes back because i mean we're always going to have peaks and valleys mm-hmm. um we just we don't want too many valleys um and the, now that everything is is we are literally at a point where more people know about comics than ever before. And we're not seeing that translated into the actual sale of comics. So we, we have to figure out a way to do that. Um, you know, I, like, like you said, we, you know, we're smart. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know who's smart enough to figure that one out, that conundrum. Um, because I'd certainly like every single person in every house in America to have comics. Um, and I'm, I'm sure every other retailer would like that too. It's just, how do we do it? How do we translate the movies you know, to the actual, the print comics that we have? And I just, as cliched as it may sound, it does start with kids. You know, no we question. have to, we, we have to figure out a way to, you know, and it's difficult. It, they have everything at their their fingertips, and you know when comics were made, kids didn't have everything at their fingertips. They could they couldn't immediately pick up their phone and and literally call up anything they want to on their phone practically. Right, and be entertained um, that way. No, I understand. Right. You're right. Yeah, the entertainment, uh, the things that children are entertained by. Yeah, the options are, you know, a hundred a hundred times more than what we had when we were growing up. No question. Exactly. So I, you know, I, I think that's, um, it's definitely left for smarter people than me, but I'd certainly like to be a part of that conversation and help figure it out. So, yeah. well, uh, you know, yeah. And I, again, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, with both, uh, discount comic book service and in stock trades, well, that is being one business. And then also your involvement with, uh, the comic book legal defense fund. I mean, you know, you're putting your energies in the right directions, I think. And and again, I, I'm as we're talking about Bands Books Week, I, you know, I uh, I'll make sure this gets out before the end of the week and everything, so that we can acknowledge that. That was my concern yeah. in terms of yeah, talking to you. I knew that was coming up. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it's awareness, and as you say, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the efforts. I, as always, I do think when good product is out there, it can't be ignored, and I do think that. Um, if people keep making the great books that they are and, and the amount of diversity that we're seeing as far as books and everything, I think only helps. Um, and yeah, we just, we need libraries, we need schools. And thankfully, like with Scholastic and the, the relationship they have with the school systems, I think that's a real positive thing as well. So yeah, you know, as far as the, as, as the young people and then lapse readers, I think are slowly coming back, but no, I understand. And you yeah. say, as you say, it is a, well, it is a retailer challenge. And many retailers would will literally want to shoot me for this, but w- digital is important. Digital is important because yeah. that exposes people, and and or and or um, if people aren't going to buy the print version, I'd much rather they at least buy the digital version. Sure. I mean, if I'm never going to see that customer, you know, on my website or in a store, then. 
if if they're st- if they're still interested and still want to read, I am happy for them to purchase it in digital form, because mm. it only makes you know the publishers healthier, which in turn makes us healthier. I hear so, you. No, I yeah. hear you. No, I, seriously, great great chat and and continued success and uh, best best to the entire. DCBS and in stock trades families and uh, <laughs> thank and, you. And, no, thank you. And then, really, honestly, thank you for uh, recognizing podcasts as as an important part of getting the word out. And uh, I, I honestly, they are the most important. I'm a I'm a huge podcast listener in general. I mean, you wouldn't believe my podcast library on here. Um, and you know, my kids, my oldest is the same way. She's just voracious. But honestly, you know. One of our employees, Zach, had brought yes. a couple of podcasts to us a million years ago, it feels like. And he said, hey, I think these are going to be a great way of, of advertising, but also, you know, just being – and Cameron's the one. I even had a little pushback because I was like, well, I don't even know what these are. And, sure. and Cameron's like, hey, you know what? We might as well try it. And really, they've uh, so many people have become friends out of it, right? Yes. Um, and it is such a tight knit community, but podcasts are, are to me, the bread and butter of the, the news force within the community too. Sure. Um, I would much rather listen to a podcast than have to go to a, a website to see what's going on. And I love to hear the voices. I love to hear you, know, you talking to people who I probably never will never meet and some who I will, of course, um, um, and their perspectives and their, uh, their just in general, their voice within the industry. And I think it's, it's really amazing. And I'm so glad that we have them. I'm so glad that we have all these podcasts. Well, as, as one of us, I, I think I'm comfortable enough to speak for all of the other podcasts and say, we're happy to carry the water because we believe <laughs> in the product. Well, we do. We believe, we yeah. believe in the books and, and there's nothing more gratifying when I, in, on social media, see someone acknowledge a creator and say, hey, I heard you on Word Balloon and I bought the book because I heard about it on Word Balloon. And I know that's the case with 11 O'Clock and yeah. Dave Harper and Off Panel and all the other really great, com- you know, War, War Rocket Ajax, to name a few of my friends mm-hmm. and, and say, yes, these are great shows. And uh, hopefully that uh, translates into uh, the creators and retailers, you know, see see some some positive things happen with the efforts yeah. that they put into the industry. So, we yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. So. Excellent. We appreciate well, your efforts just as much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And really, it's I am so pleased that you are now president of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Uh, I look forward to f- uh, future conversations about it. And truly, oh, yeah. we, could, we could have that, uh, how tough it is. Uh, and I'm sure from – I don't think I've ever had the retailer perspective of being a woman in comics talk about – you know, the highs and lows. So absolutely, yeah. in the next conversation, we can get into that as much as you'd yeah, like. Yeah, that would be great. Excellent. Christina, thank you so much for your time. And I, I certainly, I mean, occasionally we, we miss each other because you know how conventions are. I yeah. wasn't at San Diego this year. And I don't even know, did uh, I see you at C2E2? Um, I don't think I'm not I sure. I kind of don't think so because I was working my overnight radio job. And if I wasn't on the floor, I was probably in the hotel room sleeping. Um, uh, the, and honestly, C2E2, it was kind of a blur for me. I'll be honest. All right, honest. there you go. So, yeah. So, That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope to see you in New York, though. Yes, definitely. Yep. All right. Well, well, seriously, thanks for talking today. Uh-huh. Thanks, John. 
Comic Book Legal Defense Fund President Christina Merkler. A pleasure talking to her. I look forward to future conversations as well to learn more about the CBLDF, their efforts, and some of the things that they're working on. And also, again, this week, Banned Books Week, do yourself a favor. Go to your local library. Let them know you support them. I understand that uh, libraries' function in a community is changing, but most of them are savvy and are changing with the times. They are tremendous salons for book clubs and book presentations, and really, they are the comic book community's friend when it comes to keeping graphic novels in their libraries. When you can't afford a graphic novel, go to your library. If they don't have what you want, let them know. It's just like a comic book store that they should be carrying some other graphic novels. They are eager as well. And I'll tell you, man, I was at the ALA's uh, Chicago Expo last summer, and it was fantastic and very eye-opening. And again, the support that they give to the comic book publishers, I almost said genre, shame on me, but you know what I mean, is fantastic and truly our partners because uh, comic books lead to literacy. And I think it's more important than ever to have a literate and informed community locally, nationally, and certainly globally facing the issues that we face today. And I think the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is a wonderful ally in that effort. So Band Books Week starts Sunday. It ends September 30th. Head to your local library and show your support. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on Word Balloon. It was brought to you by, again, the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support of Word Balloon through subscriptions at patreon.com slash wordballoon and wordballoon.com. Just click on the Patreon ad there. But thank you. Uh, I continue to evolve Word Balloon, and it's done through the support of the League of Word Balloon listeners. If you want to subscribe, that's the place to do it. Again, patreon.com slash wordballoon, or click on the Patreon ad at wordballoon.com. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, this episode of Word Balloon sponsored by Aftershock Comics, with great books that are shaking things up at your local comic shop right now. Series like Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Tour, Donny Cates and Gary Brown's Baby Teeth, Garth Ennis, Goran Suzuka, lots of Garth Ennis product happening from Aftershock Comics, but A Walk Through Hell is a prime example of that. Also, new titles from new creators like Hot Lunch Special from Elliot Rael and Jorge Fornes and our buddies on Moth and Whisper, Ted Anderson and Jen Hickman. Check out what's rumbling today at AftershockComics.com. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon. There's another new Word Balloon out there today by Ashley Robinson. Ashley and Jason Inman are a wonderful couple that delighted us with the very funny uh, Jupiter Jet series and now are doing it again with a new Kickstarter for their series, Science! Excellent series, worthy of your attention. Check out my interview with Ashley. On the subject of Kickstarters, uh, they're in their closing days, but I wanted to make you aware of an incredible Kickstarter campaign that's happening with uh, my buddy Henry Barajas. Uh, This is for a book called La Voz de Mayo, Tata Rambo. It's an incredible story, true story, about a great freedom fighter, Ramon Jarigue, an orphan and World War II veteran who co-founded the Mexican-American Yaqui and Others organization, which successfully lobbied the Tucson City Council to improve living and working conditions for members of the local Pascua Yaqui tribe. Largely due to Ramon's activism, both in Mayo and with Model Cities programs, Yaqui were successfully integrated into the expanding metropolis of Tucson, Arizona, giving them property, roads, sidewalks were built, sewage systems were installed, 
uh, real jumps in their uh, living and working conditions because of his efforts. It's a tremendous project, and I'm sorry that I haven't had the time to uh, include Henry for a full-length conversation for Word Balloon, but I did want to make you aware of this incredible project that has less than two weeks to go as of this recording. So uh, check it out. Henry Barajas, uh, La Voz de Mayo, Tata Rambo. Issue one is being kickstarted right now, and it deserves your attention. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you for your attention today. Please keep listening to Word Balloon. More great episodes still to come before September is over. And uh, great, we're going to roll right into October with more great guests. I'll be at New York Comic Con in uh, that first full weekend of October. Uh, I hope to see you there and uh, give me the chance to thank you for listening to Word Balloon personally. No panels, no table, wandering around Artist Alley, probably camping out at uh, the Oh Yeah uh, tables of Art and Franco and Scoot McMahon. And uh, I hope to see everybody there and uh, really looking forward to another great New York Comic Con convention. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.